Peace be upon you. So every single human being, every single entity, every single organism, they have a specific function that they're placed here on earth to fulfill. And there is no function that's too small or too trivial. And God gives us the example of the angels. God tells us there's more angels uh, than we could possibly comprehend. And every single one of them are doing, you know, countless number of tasks. And none of these tasks is ever so trivial, so uh, meaningless, uh, that leaves the angels dissatisfied. Uh, they're all happily, joyfully uh, submitting to God and performing their function. And similarly, in this life, we each have a function to fulfill. Uh, maybe it's as a spouse, as a parent, uh, as a child, as a student, as an uh, employee, as an executive, who, whatever it may be. That's the function we're meant to fulfill. And in the previous podcast with Radhanath Swami, he talks about the body and how each organ within the body is providing a function for the grander body. That the heart is pumping the blood uh, to all the organs, and the uh, stomach is processing the food, and the lungs are processing the oxygen to you know provide uh, to each of the cells within the body. And none of these body parts would be so arrogant to think that their function uh, supersedes the, the sum of all the parts. Uh, they realize that they are just providing one function in a grander scheme. And uh, every part of that body is crucial. Uh, every part of that body is essential. If one cell goes haywire, uh, it can uh, jeopardize the entire body. And similarly in life, you know, we each are providing a function. Uh, now some people's function might seem uh, more impactful and other people's function might seem, you know, uh, more uh, interpersonal. But irrespective, every single entity is performing that function. And God has put us in a position where irrespective of where we fall on this, uh, the status or the hierarchy or affluence, um, each of us have the exact same opportunity to make an impact, to provide, uh, to do righteous works. Um, and these are all being perfectly orchestrated in each of our lives. Uh, every interaction we have, every uh, conversation we have, every engagement we have, every friend that we talk to, uh, every stranger that we walk across, we have a possibility of earning righteous work, to do a good deed, to provide a smile, to provide a compliment, uh, to boost morale, to remind people of God, to make people appreciative. These are all opportunities for us to grow in righteousness. And at the end of the day, it's not our money, it's not our wealth, it's not our looks, it's not our status uh, that's going to draw us closer to God. The only thing that's going to draw us closer to God is righteousness. Uh, one of the more controversial verses in the Quran is in 1675 and 76, where the header is, says, the rich believer is better than the poor believer. Now, some people, they hear that off the bat, and they think that, oh, you know, how can, they, how can God say that? <laughs> how can he say the rich believer is better than the poor believer? But if you read the verse, what really matters isn't about the rich or the poor. It's about what are you doing with the resources that you have. In 1675 and 76, it reads, God cites the example of a slave who is owned and is totally powerless compared to one whom we bless with good provisions from which he gives to charity secretly and publicly. Are they equal? Praise be to God, most of them do not know. And God cites the example of two men. One is dumb, lacks the ability to do anything, is totally dependent on his master. Whichever way he directs him, he cannot produce anything good. Is he equal to one who rules with justice and is guided in the right path? And you think about this, what does it mean to be a slave? Uh, obviously, in the traditional sense, you think about uh, a slave who you know is uh, shipped off from a foreign land uh, and is uh, subjugated uh, by people uh, and lacks you know freedom. But there's another form of slave. 
Uh, a slave can be a slave to your environment. It can be a slave to the uh, the people around you, the influences around you, to the point that you lack any ability to think for yourselves. Now you think of people, how many people they have uh, mobile devices that they're attached to 24 seven, uh, that they're up to date on the latest gossip, and they're always influenced by the environment around them and can't think for themselves. And people like this, for all practical purposes, are becoming a slave to their environment. Uh, they're becoming a slave to you know the, the work, media, phones, uh, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. And because they can't think for themselves, uh, they're always going to be lacking. Now you take that exact same individual and you free them from that bondage uh, where they are able to think for themselves, to do, uh, do what's right, to be able to uh, progress, to, to live a fruitful, beneficial life. Uh, how can you say that these two people are equal? And a lot of what happens for people who fall into this mindset of slavery <laughs> comes from a, a book I read. It, it's uh, written by Jim Rubens. He's a Republican politician in New Hampshire. And the name of the book is called Over Success. And he was talking about how many people, how many millions of people are dissatisfied with their lives uh, despite all the blessings and all the things we have to be appreciative for. And it, this is a quote from his book. So it says, so why are 60 million American adults one in three of us pervasively dissatisfied with our lives. Why is major depression seven times more likely than among those born after 1970? Why are one in four of us addicted to at least one substance or behavior? Why are 80% of women unhappy with their bodies? And he attributes this to this aspect of always looking at other people's success and being infatuated with what other people are doing and how other people are progressing and the, uh, the status of other people. And this constant rat race doesn't allow people to live for themselves. And he reflects on himself. He says, rather than finding comfort in the material wealth and uh, personal freedom, I wallowed in wants obsessed by things my, uh, beyond my reach, by what I did not have and what I could not be. That he was looking at other people and despite his success, despite his wealth, he was never satisfied. He was always looking at other people. Uh, seeing what they had, what status they had, what money they had, what cars they were driving. And because of that, he was always in bondage to these individuals. And it wasn't until he broke free from this thought was he able to truly progress. You know, most people in this uh, this world become so fixated on exaltation, on status. Uh, they want to be the head honcho. They want to be in charge. They want to be able to call the shots. But at what price are they willing to do that, you know? Most of these people, they, they, they do it at the price of their own souls, their own personal happiness. Uh, so what? They can have this status? In 449, it says, Have you noted those who exalt themselves? Instead, God is the one who exalts whomever he wills without the least injustice. In 2883, it says, We reserve the abode of the hereafter for those who do not seek exaltation on earth, nor corruption. The ultimate victory belongs to the righteous. And in 53, 20, uh, 32, it says, They avoid gross sin and transgression, except for minor offenses. Your Lord's forgiveness is immense. He has been fully aware of you since he initiated you from the earth and while you were embryos in your mother's bellies. Therefore, do not exalt yourselves. He is fully aware of the righteous. God knew about our creation and what we were going to do in this world before we were even embryos. And he's planned for it. And he lets us know that, look, we have the capability of achieving great uh, amounts of righteousness to do everything to live a perfect, happy life in this world and in the hereafter. But those who exalt themselves, 
in this world are in essence selling themselves short in the hereafter and to find out what is it you know because all of us we want to have purpose in this world we want to have meaning but what is it how can we find this purpose how can we find this meaning how can we find contentment satisfaction um, and part of the answer is in 1276 it says we exalt whomever we choose to higher ranks above every knowledgeable one there is one who is even more knowledgeable and what this is telling me is humility is that God is the one who exalts whomever he chooses and in order for us to be exalted both in this life and in the hereafter we need to be humble in 5226 it talks about heaven uh, the people of heaven it says they will say we used to be kind and humble among our people so what can we learn about humility to find our purpose to find true exaltation uh, humility is interesting the definition of humility is a way of thinking and behaving that shows that you do not think that you are better or more important than other people. Just like the stomach would never think that it's better than the heart, or the heart wouldn't think that it's better than the brain, or the brain wouldn't think that it's better than uh, you know any other uh, key functional component of the body, we are all working with a certain purpose, and that purpose is to please God. And you don't need to be a CEO, you don't need to be a multimillionaire to be able to please God. Uh, everyone has the ability to please God, irrespective if they're a peasant in Calcutta or the uh, you know uh, Elon Musk or Warren Buffett or any of these other you know highly uh, affluent individuals with uh, <laughs> lots and lots of money. Uh, obviously, the responsibility on the one with more money is more, but that aspect of being humble, uh, having humility, um, it's something that we need to understand in order to find you know what is our place in this world. And a perfect example of humility is by looking at the extremes. Humility is not a lack of confidence. Uh, as submitters, we have to have the utmost confidence in God. And um, there was this famous TED Talk. It's from Sir Ken Robinson. And uh, he talked about going to the, uh, it was a researcher, went to the first grade and then to the 10th grade and asked this uh, group of people uh, three questions, three simple questions. So to the first graders, yes, he says, how many of you can draw? And every single one of them raised their hand and says, how many of you can sing? And again, everyone is like singing and saying, I'm a good singer. And they're totally confident in themselves. And then he asks, how many of you are good dancers? And all of them get up and they show them their dance moves and stuff like that. And you ask yourself, are they doing this because they're exalting themselves? Or are they genuinely good at what it is they do? And then he goes to the 10th graders and you see the other extreme. The 10th graders, he asked them the same three questions as, you know, how many people can draw? And like two people raised their hand. You know, how many people can sing? And one person raised their hand. And he says, how many people are good dancers? And no one even looks up at him. And you realize that you have to ask, is this because they're humble? Is it because they're showing humility? Or is it because they have a lack of confidence? And humility is not a lack of confidence. Confidence is absolutely essential uh, with humility in order to have progress. Uh, without confidence, there is no humility. Uh, and humility can be mistaken for just, you know, lack of confidence. And you have to have enough confidence to persist through failure, uh, enough confidence to not be derailed by skeptics or uh, naysayers or, you know, people who are just trying to bring you down, but also enough humility to listen and to learn and to realize that, you know, we're all striving to become better individuals. You know, everyone in this world was perfectly designed by God for a specific purpose in this world. Everything we have, including our resources, bodies, intellect, 
you name it, is a loan from God to see how do we use it. You know, how are we using these resources that God provides us? Uh, are we becoming a slave to our environment? Are we becoming a slave to our peers? Are we thinking for ourselves? Are we thinking critically about how can we better ourselves? Um, irrespective if we're, uh, what our status is, the ability to have an impact, to have real influence, uh, is completely 100% up to us. So the question is, how do we find our way of having influence? How do we find our purpose? Um, and everyone, everyone in this world can be a great giver. And the question is, do you want to give? And if it is, what is it that you want to give to this world? Uh, Peter Diamandis, um, who started the XPRIZE and a number of other uh, really uh, interesting uh, programs, uh, he says, if you want to be a billionaire, find out how to serve a billion people. And all of us, we have the capability within us to serve others. And we can serve one person, we can serve a billion people, and it's all the same. Because at the end of the day, it's our righteousness that matters. And if we progress in righteousness, God is going to give us more opportunities to, to, uh, to earn righteous works. And you think about every single interaction you've had. Uh, every uh, time you walked past someone, you had the opportunity to exchange a smile, to, to say a compliment, to do a good deed. Uh, were you capitalizing on that opportunity? Were you doing your utmost to basically grow in righteousness? And when we find out what is it that we like to do, what is it that we like to serve, what is it that we like to do for other people, we can find our purpose. Because God has put into us, every single one of us, some purpose, something that we enjoy doing in the sake of God, something that we enjoy doing to serve God, to grow our souls. And when we can identify what that is, we can progress in it. And again, we have to have enough confidence in it to be able to trust in God, to learn from it, to grow from it. Because if you think about it, let's say, for instance, you have a, uh, you, you're a civil engineer and you've been developing uh, you know, buildings and structures for 20 years, and uh, you have an opportunity to help, I don't know, someone in a developing country uh, to produce you know, uh, a new school, for instance, or you know, a new facility, a hospital, or God knows what. Uh, someone who is truly humble is going to realize like, yeah, maybe there's other people better qualified, but this is the task that he's the best at. So he's going to try his best and proceed forward. Um, someone who lacks confidence is never going to even make that initial step. And we have to trust in God. We have to put ourselves out there. We have to strive to do better. Um, whatever it is that we're doing, you know, no matter how small it seems, it's serving a specific purpose. We're making a difference in the lives of the people we engage with. And sometimes it's hard to understand just how much of an impact it is, but we have to trust in God that if we proceed forward by doing the things that please God, by being a kind, humble individual, uh, by being kind and nice to other people, that this is going to have an impact on their lives and hopefully have a positive impact on our own. So the takeaway that I have is that, you know, we need to go out and proceed you know, it doesn't mean that we have to abandon our responsibilities, but it does mean that we have to have the confidence in God and take the step forward to make the change that you want to see in your life. You know, proceed forward, trust in God, learn and get better. Don't wait for permission and trust in, you know, don't wait for other people to tell you it's okay to strive. It's okay to do a good deed. It's okay to go and do uh, a noble cause, to give to charity, to help others. This is something that we have to take the initiative. And if we take the initiative, God is going to support us. Um, God gives us the example in 2269 about those who give to charity, that for every, 
every uh, you know uh, ounce of good we do towards charity that God is going to multiply manifold and we have to trust in God and allow God to use this as a conduit to help out others um, and uh, there's a uh, prayer I want to end with and this is from uh, Shanti Diva and uh, it says may I be a guard for those who need protection a guide for those on the path a boat a raft a bridge for those who wish to cross the flood May I be a lamp in the darkness, a resting place for the weary, a healing medicine for all who are sick, a vase of plenty, a tree of miracles, and for the boundless multitudes of living beings, may I be, uh, bring sustenance and awakening, enduring like the earth and sky, until all beings are freed from sorrow, and all are awakened. We're never too small, too poor, too weak to provide uh, benefits to other people, to serve other people, um, and it's up to us to basically uh, to take on these uh, opportunities that God presents to us to do good deeds. And God willing, we're going to earn righteousness. We're going to live happier, more fulfilled lives. And um, God willing, make it in the hereafter. Uh, inshallah, we're going to end there. If you guys got any comments or questions, hit us up at QuranTalk at gmail.com. Again, that's QuranTalk at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at TalkQuran. And until next time, peace and God bless.